every minute is millions of neurons lost. We want to make sure that we're doing everything we possibly can to save every single brain cell. You're listening to For the Love of Health, a podcast about delivering care and creating health, brought to you by Christiana Care. And now, here are your hosts. Hello, everyone. I'm Megan McGurman. And I'm Michael Chesney. Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Health, brought to you by Christiana Care. Every 40 seconds in the United States, someone has a stroke. Wow. That means while you're listening to this podcast, between 20 and 30 Americans will have had a stroke. And we're joined today by Dr. Kim Gannon, medical director of Christiana Care's comprehensive stroke program to tell us about arguably the major factor in the impact that a stroke has on a person and the intensive approach her team takes to affecting it. Kim, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. What actually happens to the human body during a stroke? So there's two types of strokes. There's the ischemic stroke, which is the most common type of stroke, and then hemorrhagic stroke. The ischemic stroke is where a blood clot blocks up a blood vessel for a long enough period of time to cause permanent damage. Our brain needs blood. Our brain needs oxygen. And if anything blocks that up or stops it, that's what causes the symptoms that we see in stroke. The hemorrhagic stroke, so instead of having a blood vessel get blocked up by a clot, the hemorrhagic type of stroke is where blood escapes from the blood vessels and can cause the exact same symptoms as the ischemic stroke. We don't really know how to tell the difference until we actually get you into a CT scanner and take a picture of your head. We're going to be talking about time a lot in this conversation. Why is time so important in the treatment of a stroke patient? In neurology, we like to say time is brain. So the faster that you get to us, the faster that we can treat you. The reason that that matters a lot is we want to save brain cells. We have over a billion neurons or brain cells in our head, and every one of them is important and does a job to make us able to do the things that we want to do, able to enjoy the things that we want to enjoy. And we want to make sure that those stay functional as long as possible. If you have something happen like an ischemic stroke, where your brain is not getting that blood flow, millions of neurons are dying every single minute. So we want to do everything we can to prevent that from happening. Once a patient comes into the hospital to see our neurology team, if they have symptoms of stroke, we want to identify those symptoms as quickly as possible so we can treat them with a blood thinner medication through the IV as fast as possible to try to open that blood vessel back up. Really, the take-home message is that as fast as we can, we want to restore the appropriate blood flow to the brain so that the brain is not starving for that blood, starving for that oxygen. What does that process look like from a person having a stroke at home to then being in the hospital? When patients are having symptoms concerning for stroke at home, we really want them to take those things seriously and call 911. We don't want them to think about it for a while. We don't want to take a nap. We don't want to take medication. We want to call 911 and go straight to the nearest emergency room. The reason that that's important is because the ambulance team, the EMS team, actually calls ahead to the emergency room to let the ED team as well as the neurology team know that that patient is coming in. That's super beneficial because then we can be ready to receive you when you come to the hospital. There's no delays. There's no extended wait time. We know that you're coming in ahead of time and can prepare for that. When you come into the emergency room as what we call a stroke alert, meaning a patient who's coming in with signs or symptoms of stroke, you get all of the attention really quickly. It's a little bit overwhelming because there's so many people in the room at the same time. You have all of the doctors and nurses from the emergency department, as well as the pharmacy team and the neurology team right there at the bedside. 
We go through a fast evaluation, meaning that we're asking the patients to do a lot of things really quickly in sequence at the same time that their emergency department team is getting IV access for the patient. We go through a certain set of questions. It's something called the NIH stroke scale. It's a series of very well-defined exam tactics that neurology teams use across the country to evaluate a patient quickly. What that tells us is what the patient's deficits are at that given time. Any clinical deficits that a patient has maps to a particular area of the brain, and so that gives us some pretest probability what we think the area affected most likely is. Once we go through that examination really fast and we go over to CT, the CAT scan is what gives us the fast picture of the brain. CT scans give us a very high-level picture but give us really crucial information when we're thinking about treating stroke patients. A CT scan can show us big stuff, so it can show us do we have a bleed or do we have a large area of stroke that's already well-defined on the CT scan. Most of the time when stroke patients are coming in, we don't see either of those things, thankfully. And then we make the decision of whether or not they're a candidate for a strong IV blood thinner medication. All of these things happen really fast. The goal is to do all of those things from door to getting in to getting to CT all within 15 minutes of the patient's arrival. Because really the goal is to find out whether or not we can give that IV blood thinner medication and go ahead and do that as quick as possible in the emergency room. So you're giving the IV medication through a needle sometime after they come through the door. Right. Hence the term door to needle time. Can you just kind of specifically explain what that term means? Because we're going to be talking about it a lot over the next few minutes. So we focus a lot on that door to needle time. Um, We want to make sure that we're getting the patient uh, that IV medication through the needle, through the IV as quickly as possible. We call that medication tenecteplase or TNK. It's an IV blood thinner medication that literally dissolves the clot. That's its job. If you have a blockage in one of the blood vessels, we want that blockage to go away. Most of the time, that IV medication actually does a really great job, and so that's the needle that we refer to with the door-to-needle time. And we want to make sure that we eliminate any wasted time in that interval between the patient coming in the door and seeking services and us giving that medication. We have to do it as fast as possible, but we also have to do it as safely as possible. So there's a lot of safeguards in place that we can't just give the medication to anybody who comes in with stroke symptoms. We have to go through that algorithm of making sure that you don't have some type of um, problem that would put you at a severe risk of bleeding. For example, that you haven't had a prior bleed in your head. For example, you didn't have surgery in a part of your body yesterday. This medication is great, but one of the side effects of the medicine is it can cause bleeding. And so that's why we have to be particular about the patients that we're able to give it to so that we don't inadvertently cause a problem. In medicine, our first rule is to do no harm. So we want to make sure that we're doing that. We could potentially give these things to everybody, but that's not appropriate. We could do harm that way. And we want to make sure that we're being as fast as we can, but also making sure that we're making educated decisions for these patients on a case-by-case basis. And what are the national metrics and standards for door-to-needle time? So at Newark Campus um, in Christiana Care, we're a comprehensive stroke center, and the goal is to have a door-to-needle time of under 30 minutes. At a primary stroke center like our Wilmington campus, the goal is to have a door-to-needle time less than 45 minutes. The stroke program at Christiana Care has been really diligent in our work over the last several years in making sure that we can get all of our door-to-needle times on average less than 30 minutes. 
There's definitely some things that take a longer time to figure out whether or not it's a good plan for an individual patient. And sometimes there may need to be longer conversations that occur. But we try to have the same standard regardless in our system, whether you're a primary stroke center or that comprehensive stroke center. You mentioned the Newark campus is comprehensive. The Wilmington campus is primary. What is the main difference then between those two? A comprehensive stroke center really provides the highest possible level of care for stroke patients. It means that we have everything that you could possibly need at your fingertips at that location. That means that you have your vascular neurologist, you have your neurocritical care team, neurosurgery, neurointerventional surgery, and 24-7 access to all of the imaging modalities. You have all of those things right there, immediately ready to go for anybody who needs it. We have the ability to do that at Newark Campus, and we do a lot of stroke treatment there. At a primary stroke center, the goal is to be able to treat a patient with many of the same things, but it doesn't have all of those same things. Specifically, at a primary stroke center, you don't have access to neurocritical care immediately. You don't have access to the neurointerventional surgery team. How we handle that at Christiana Care is we fly our patients from Wilmington campus to Newark campus if they need that higher level of care, if they need any type of surgical involvement from the neurointerventional surgery team or from the neurosurgery team. Um, So we see a lot of stroke patients. We're still in the stroke belt, the region of the country, starting from the southeast all the way up the east coast to Delaware. We're kind of the top of the stroke belt. This is the area that has the highest risk of population having stroke. Interestingly, despite uh, being in Delaware, we're actually number two in the country for the volume of patients that we take for mechanical thrombectomy. And what that means to me is that we've really been able to refine our process. We've gone through multiple iterations of how we can make sure that we're treating patients as efficiently and effectively as possible and keeping up with the highest level safety standards. Tell us about the work that began in 2019 at Christiana Care to reduce door-to-needle time. So thinking about that door-to-needle time was so important to us that we wanted to make sure that we were doing the very best possible job that we could at reducing any wasted time. So we took a hard look starting in 2019. At that point, we didn't have the guideline of 30 minutes being the expectation. And so we were above that. We were at about 38 minutes on average at that point in time. And we really wanted to focus on getting less than 30 minutes. And so we started looking at some of the low-hanging fruit. We went month by month with the neurology team and with the emergency department clinicians and decided to pick one particular thing to focus on. Then we did that over the course of six months. So just a couple of examples of things that we did to reduce that door-to-needle time. We stopped taking the patients out of their street clothes and putting them in a gown. It's just not necessary for us to take a picture of your head. Another easy thing that we did is if we knew that the patient was going to be a stroke coming in, before the patient even gets there, we put what we call a sling on the bed. The reason that that's important is because when we go to CT, we use that sling to actually weigh the patient. So if we can have that already on the bed before we put the patient on the bed, that's just one less thing. If not, you have to wait, you have to move the patient over, you have to put the sling on, then you have to put the patient back on. It's just those like two minutes of extra time that we're saving. And when you know that every minute is millions of neurons lost, we want to make sure that we're doing everything we possibly can to save every single brain cell that we have. Other things that um, we thought about also is making sure that we don't delay taking the patient's jewelry off. So taking the jewelry off while you're still in the emergency room and not waiting until after you get a CAT scan to find, oh, she has earrings on, that's going to cause an artifact or a problem on the CAT scanner. Um, The amazing part of this process is we've gone through iterative changes. We've worked with our other clinicians in the emergency room, the pharmacy team, the nurses, and really got their input on 
what do you think is wasting time? And it was a group decision of what do we want to focus on? Um, And each month going through each thing by each thing. You started this work in 2019. It's now 2024. What kind of growth have you seen as you continue this work? So we continue to be diligent in tracking each of the metrics that we started back in 2019, but we also continue to improve on that. We want to continue to push our teams to get better and better as time goes on while keeping up with the efficiency metrics that we put into place at that time. We think in the future that we can even continue to push this envelope more. One of the things that we're really excited about is the use of something called triage. The cardiac team is using this already. What that allows for is the EMS team to give us a pre-hospital notification with patient information. The reason that this is helpful and important from a stroke perspective is we can find out details about that patient before they even roll in the door. So we were talking about before the door to needle time, and one of the things that we have to make sure of is that it's safe for the patient. So instead of doing all of that work after the patient arrives, we're moving all of that information gathering to before the patient even gets to us. So we think that we can decrease that door to needle time even further. What does this look like best case scenario? Can you tell us about a time that someone came in the door and got the needle basically as fast as you think it really would be possible to do that? I think our record in the system um, was about nine minutes, actually, from door to needle. And that's when everything was, like you said, 100% perfect. Patient comes into the ED, but we already know about them ahead of time. We already know the patient uh, is coming in with stroke symptoms. We already know from the EMS pre-call when the patient's symptoms started. We already know their blood pressure, for example, when they got that in the field with the EMS team. Everybody is right there in the emergency department, ready to evaluate the patient. We do that quickly. They didn't have any breathing issues, no airway issues. They didn't need um, any other medication or any evaluation of their heart. So we did the evaluation very quickly. We were out of the ED room in less than five minutes. We went to CT, which was ready for us. We got those scans quickly. The EMS team had already gotten IV access, so we didn't need to delay that. We got that CT scan of the patient's head, didn't find anything concerning for bleeding, didn't have any risk factors that needed a longer conversation or a longer investigation. We were able to have a conversation with the patient because they didn't have aphasia or difficulty speaking or understanding other people. And so we were able to give them that IV medication right there in CT. That's the best case scenario. Many times there's other confounding factors that is really important that we consider. So while that's a goal, it's not an opportunity for every patient. So since 2019, that project, we've been able to shave about seven to 10 minutes off of our process. I think it's feasible to shave another five to seven minutes off of our current time. And that's something that we're going to continue to work toward. We want to make sure that we're not speeding through so quickly that we're not being safe and appropriate. So there's always going to be some time that we just have to have. However, we want to keep improving. We're a learning institution. We're a learning program in the stroke program. And we want to keep finding these small things that we can continue to improve on. Kim, we've been talking a lot about the ischemic stroke and how quickly you can treat that if a patient comes in with an ischemic stroke. How is it treated if the patient has a hemorrhagic stroke? Very differently. This is why that picture, the CT scan, is so vital for us to know the difference. If we do find that you have had a hemorrhagic stroke or bleeding into the brain tissue itself, the biggest goal at that point is to decrease the blood pressure. 
The biggest risk factor for hemorrhagic strokes is really high blood pressure. So the thing that we do quick that way is we give IV blood pressure medication. For the hemorrhagic stroke, we're not giving the IV blood thinner medication because there's already a bleed in the head, but we're lowering the blood pressure to decrease the risk of further bleeding. How do time and outcomes then differ between the two types of stroke? So the time window for treating hemorrhagic stroke is not quite as stringent from that door to needle time. However, we do know that the quicker we can get that blood pressure down, the better their opportunities are to have a good outcome going forward. If the blood pressure stays high, they're at higher risk of ongoing bleeding, and we want to reduce that as much as possible. There's certainly information the general public needs to know about signs and symptoms of stroke so that they can help your team. What are the key takeaways you want people listening to this to understand? I would love for people to remember the acronym that the American Heart Association has put out called BFAST. B stands for balance. So if a patient has any balance difficulty, if you can't stand up straight, E is for eyesight. If you have loss of vision in one eye or one half of your visual field, vision loss out of each eye. F stands for face. So if the patient has a facial weakness on one side or a facial droop. A stands for arm. So if you have the patient hold their arms out and they have drift of their arm. S stands for speech. So if they have difficulty making their words or not getting the right words out, or if they can't understand somebody else talking to them, then the T reminds us that it's time to call 911 because that's really the biggest opportunity that we have, recognition in the community and getting to the hospital as fast as possible. Kim, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to hearing when you have been able to shave that extra five to seven minutes off, having you back, talk a little bit more about uh, how you were able to do that. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And we're going to have more on Christiana Care's comprehensive stroke program and door to needle time in the episode show notes at christianacare.org slash podcasts. There you'll also find quick links to subscribe to For the Love of Health on a variety of podcast apps. Those are also great places to leave us a review and help even more people find the show. And of course, we'd love to connect with our listeners on Christiana Care's various social media channels. We'll be back in two weeks with another great conversation. Until then, thanks again for joining us. For, For the, the Love, love of, of Health. health.